0: Bienvenido and thank you for listening to the Word Con Sazon Podcast A Sermon Collective of Reforming Latinos The following sermon was given at the Reformed Church of Los Angeles In the city of Linwood, California By Pastor Rudy Rubio For more information about the church or the pastors Please go to our show notes below Bless Lord's Day, family. Wow. How about we start that over again? Bless Lord's Day, family. Bless Lord's Day. Today is the Lord's Day. As our sister Liz said when she started hosting the service with her announcements, that it's been a hard week and we got here, it's been a hard week for me too. Lots of stuff going on personally. I pray that you've all had a good week, that you're in good health, and that you are in good spirits and if you didn't come in that way, I pray that uh, our time having sung uh, our worship to Christ has helped settle you, it's helped to help recalibrate your hearts to where they need to be, which is on Jesus, amen? This week we continue our study of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And in the last few weeks you've heard us talk about things like telling the truth, and we heard that in the ninth commandment today, about loving our enemies, how to give, how to pray, how to fast. And today we'll be talking about God and possessions. They shouldn't be things that are opposed to each other, but unfortunately, they can be, and they do. What am I talking about? I came across a quote that said this. It said, don't tell me where your priorities are. Show me where you spend your money, and I'll tell you what they are. In other words, where we spend our time and where we spend our money show the things that are the most important to us. I remember getting a report from my credit union one time that had a chart breaking down how I spend my money, like this much on utility bills, this much on groceries, this much on this, this much on that, and I'd be, I was surprised, well, not really surprised, but I was shocked to see how much I spent on eating out. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I would have never assumed or answered that that was one of my treasures, but that's what my bank account said. But now I can see that it was an accurate statement. To some people, they spend lots of time on pet peeves. Collections are just pampering themselves. Now, I'm not saying that these things are wrong or they're a sin, but anything that masters us, whether you see it or not, whether you accept it or not, is sin. What does that look like today? How about a workaholic? Can't come to church because of work? Can't go to Bible study because of work? Can't hang out with your wife and kids because of work? You're always asking the boss to sign you up for all the overtime. Of course you're always gonna be busy, even on your days off. For some, money is too good to pass up. To some people, money is where they feel their source of happiness. However, some of the most miserable people ever have been filthy rich. So on one hand, you have people that want all the money to spend, and then there are those who want all the money to save. They won't use it, they have no intention of spending it, but it makes them feel so much better just knowing that it's there. I don't understand it, but you know what? We're all wired differently, Have you ever opened up like a cable wire or an electric wire and it has all kinds of individual wires color-coded inside of a thicker wire? We're kind of like that too. But in the midst of our wiring, there's this thick, ugly, rusty, nasty wire called sin. Amen? And we need to deal with it. So let's get into today's text. Please open up your Bibles to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 19 through 24. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And if you could do me a favor and please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the Lord's word from Matthew 6, verse 19 through 24. Let me get an amen when you are there. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on your screen. And the word of God reads as follows. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. People of God, this is the word of God. Please be seated, family. Now, this may appear so simple and clear-cut, right? Like, it's simple. Don't store up things on this earth because when you die, you can't take it with you. Check your eyes and check your attitude because that determines how you see things or better said, what your attitude is towards all these other things and possessions. And finally, you can't serve God and stuff. You'll basically end up loving one and hating the other. It's pretty simple. But if it was that simple, why can't we just seem to do it? Why is it that we're so close-fisted with our things when it comes to God? We don't have no problem spending all kinds of money on ourselves, buying ourselves nice things and pampering ourselves, you name it. You've worked for it, right? Like, it's, it's all yours. You can do whatever you want with it. Think of this. When the creator of the universe stoops down to make a covenant with us, goes out of his way to extend us mercy, goes out of his way to give us something that we don't deserve, and then we want to get tight with him? That don't sound too cool, right? Now, you're probably thinking, oh, he's going to ask for some money right now. This isn't some prosperity gospel. prayer. I'm not asking for your money, Okay. I'm not going to ask you to sow a seed into our ministry because God is going to return it to you tenfold. That's garbage. That's untruthful. And there are wicked pastors out there that use that to fleece the flock and take people's money. I'm bringing this up because money is one of the surest ways, one of the surest mistakes we can make. It's coming to God with open hands when we need something, but a closed fist when it's time to give him something. Amen. I'm not asking you for money, I'm not gonna ask you for money, but money and possessions can be one of the biggest problems we have when we're trying to connect to God because we have our hands wide open when we want something. But as soon as it comes around to give him something, we close up our fists and wanna say, no, this is mine. What we read today helps us understand that absolutely nothing should get in the way of us loving, serving, and giving to God. And we are to love, give, and serve joyfully, generously, and sacrificially. That's how it works. We are to trust him with everything. His word tells us in Philippians 4.19 that he'll provide for all of our needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus. And what I want to teach today is this, that we must be mindful of our attitudes towards things that we want, the things we need, and not expect them to fulfill what only God can. Amen? We need to be mindful of our attitudes towards the things we want, the things we need, and we can't expect them to fulfill the things that only God can. And I want to do this breaking it down in four ways. The first is one, in verses 19 through 20, it says identify what your treasure is. Identify what your treasure is. And the second is identify the location of that treasure. The third is check your attitude. Attitude. And the fourth is consider which one is worth dying for. The first point, verses 19 and 20, we get identify what your treasure is. Christ said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. First, Christ tells us what not to do, and then he tells us what to do. What not to do? Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth. Why? Because they don't last. He said that they'll be destroyed or stolen. So why bother storing things up that are only temporal? Why bother forsaking the eternal for the temporary? It's like like a no-brainer. Let me make something clear and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have good stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have money and have good things. We're talking about money and possessions here. That's obvious. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having those things or owning them. The problem is when the possession of money and things is our end goal. Then there's a problem. Why do you think that this happens? It's because people don't know how to differentiate between the temporal and the eternal. They don't have an understanding of what that concept is, or they think they do, but it hasn't really registered with them. If someone is so consumed with possessing things, with possessing money, and sometimes even possessing people, they haven't truly understood their need of Jesus. Luke 12, 15, Christ warns us: take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For no one's life does not consist, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Our life is not about how much stuff we have. Our life is not measured by how many things that we own. Why do you think Jesus said that our life doesn't consist of these things? Because money and possessions can't save you. You can't take your money and your stuff with you. And if we haven't understood this, it's because we haven't really grasped the gospel. We haven't understood that we have all broken God's law. Every single one of us, at one point in time or another, have lied. We've murdered people with our words. We've lusted after someone or something. We've stolen by lying on our taxes, our time cards, downloading the music legally from the internet, or even just plagiarizing people's memes on social media. You feel me? All of us have committed crimes against a holy God. That's like half the Ten Commandments already. We've used his names in vain. We've hated somebody for having stuff that we wish we had. That's half the Ten Commandments we've already broken. You know what we deserve for that? It ain't heaven. That's pretty bad news. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Having a fat bank account isn't bad. Having a nice car isn't bad. Having the best education is not bad either but it's all bad when you trust in that stuff instead of trusting in God now we might not say that we don't believe in God although some people do but our actions show this so if if we're all doomed why even bother well that's the good news the good news that Jesus makes it possible for us to be saved you see God's wrath for the sins of the world must be paid but you nor I can ever pay that debt, but Christ can. You see, he lived a perfect life we never could, and he died a death that was meant for you and for me, and his word tells us that he didn't just live and die, but he resurrected and he ascended, amen? And here's the best part. If we believe in him, if we believe in his shed blood, if we put our trust and faith in him, then his righteousness becomes ours. So you need to identify what your treasure is and ask yourself, is it temporal or is it eternal? And can it save you? A beautiful house can burn down. A new roof can leak. A car can be crashed. A diamond bracelet lost or stolen. A loved one die. Inflation rises and the stock market crashes. And a business can go under. Is your treasure temporal or eternal? I know that my treasure is eternal. My treasure is my salvation. My treasure is Christ, the lover of my soul, and no one can take it from me, not even me. John 10, 27-30, our Lord says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And if there's any doubt, I and the Father are one, Christ says. So if you've now been thinking and identified what your treasure is, the next question is, where is it at? Where is the location of your treasure? My second point is, identify the location of your treasure. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there there your heart will be also. Can I let you in on a secret? Your treasure will always be in your heart. Your treasure will always be in your heart. It's what you treasure the most. The clear-cut evidence of where our treasure lies is where our money is and our time is spent. Where do you spend most of your money and most of your time? How much money do you spend on the things related to God and to his church. How much time do you give to the things to the Lord and to his church? Do they have to drag you to church every Sunday? Do you make up every single excuse possible to avoid church, to avoid Bible study? People say, I can love God and not go to church. That's a lie. Church is where the people of God come together to worship God together, to sing to him loudly to pray to him together, to extend his peace to each other as we did with handshakes and hugs, and to confess our sins before one another and be reminded that in Christ we're forgiven. Church is the place the people of God come to fellowship and to sit under the preached word, and at the end of the service, we partake of the word of God at the Lord's Supper, in the bread and in the wine and the grape juice. So you can't actually be a lover of God and not be involved with him. You can believe in him and not love him because you see, even the demons believe in God. If your treasure is anything else besides God, it's going to be all bad. Seriously, because a treasure is something that you will do whatever you have to to protect. Folks will ensure their treasure. They will hide it in the safe with security systems and invest a lot to protect it. What are you going out of your way to protect? What are you willing to risk for your treasure? Your salvation? It ain't worth it, man. Because that means that your heart will be full of your worldly and temporal possessions, but not God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And in case you didn't catch that, he says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Think about that. He found a treasure hidden in a field, covered it up, and it says, Then in his joy, he goes out and he sells all that he has. This man gave up everything he had that he might find that treasure. That treasure of ours is Christ. What are you giving up for the sake of the gospel? And what are you holding on to that's obstructing your relationship with Jesus? So if our eyes are on the wrong prize, if we're focused on the temporal, how can we change things up and focus on the eternal? My third point is you gotta check your attitude. Check your attitude. Verses 22 and 23, Christ says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? William Hendrickson said this, he said, just as a person has a natural eye to bring him into contact with his earthly environment, so he has a spiritual eye namely the mind, to brighten his inner life, to guide him morally and spiritually, and to keep him in contact with his heavenly Father. Now listen to what John Chrysostom said in the 400s. Very similar, as in the bodily health, it is our aim to keep the eye healthy, so also it should be our aim to keep the mind sound in relation to the soul. What the mind is to the soul, that the eye is to the body. The illuminator. As when the eye is blinded, the ability of other members is diminished, so also when the mind is depraved, the soul is vulnerable to countless evils. We must be able to think clearly. We must be able to understand, to comprehend, and under and internalize the gospel of Christ. We must have our heads wrapped around what salvation is and how that happens. And when we do understand this, we can see that God's way of saving men and women is to send out men and women to tell other men and women the gospel that they too might be saved. Amen? The entire church has been given this task to go into the whole world and do this. But if our hearts are more focused on the other things, on the temporal things, then that's not going to happen. At least not through us. If our hearts are full of worldly and temporal treasures they will not and cannot be focused with eternal treasures. You following me? Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. Focus on the eternal and not the temporal. And that leads us with the last question. Is your treasure worth dying for? Verse 24, Christ said, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Remember that our misplaced and misdirected hearts will always lead us astray from God. That's a fact. The Christian life does not secure a guaranteed life focused on Christ. It's a constant struggle. Who feels me on that? Every single day, it's a struggle to keep our eyes and our minds and our bodies and our hearts focused on the things of Christ because the world is crazy, yo. The enemy's always trying to trip us up and tempt us in every way, shape, or form. It's hard to be a Christian. There is no way we can have a double allegiance to two things. There is no way. I've heard dudes say that they actually have two girls and love them both the same. And I'm like, nah, man, one of them's a side chick. And you know what that's called? It's called sin. And girls, you know what I'm talking about too, right? If you got two dudes, the first is that you're in sin. And know that one of them dudes has more priority than the other. And which of you wants to live and treat God like a side chick? That sounds harsh, right? Almost heretical even. But because you don't say it, and just live it out doesn't make it any less worse. When God doesn't have the absolute priority in your life, you can be treating him like a side chick, and that is so horrible. We can't treat God that way. He's a jealous God. All too often folks wanna talk about God and, and reference his love and talk about his mercy and talk about his grace and talk about his forgiveness, but nobody wants to talk about him being a jealous God. Nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God. The vengeance of God. Deuteronomy 4.24 is a clear reminder that for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He won't take second place to anybody. It's pretty simple. If you love God, you will be devoted to him. With everything, with your time, with your money, with your family, with your gifts, with your talents, you cannot be stingy with God. You won't come to God with the close fist holding what he's given you and with another open hand asking him to give you something in return. That's an oxymoron. It doesn't work that way. We don't have to have the best things in life to be happy. And if you have them, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be miserable or jealous if somebody else has the things that we so desperately wish that we had. There were wealthy Christians in the Bible in the New Testament, they were the benefactors to Paul and all the church planting that was going on. Please don't leave thinking that I'm saying that if you have money and good stuff, it's a sin. It is not. And if the Lord has blessed you with it, use it for the kingdom. We heard about a great ministry today that is helping many people get through struggles in life. Their church is being planted in Linwood and Wilmington. There's a whole bunch of different places where ministry can be helped. So if you love God, family, Be completely devoted to him. Don't split that devotion and jeopardize the eternal for the temporary. And if any of you is asking, well, how do we do this? How can we do this? I got three quick points of practical application for you. And the first is never forget what God saved you from. The second is make sure that your eyes are on the right things and that your attitude is in the right place. And the last is, nothing you own is worth dying for. Nothing you own is worth dying for. Never forget what God saved you from. Remember that apart from God, you can do nothing. Apart from God, you can't do nothing. If you don't believe me, listen to Jesus 15:5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Never get too comfortable in your walk. Whether you're in recovery two months, 11 years, 30 years, whatever you're recovering from. Because all of us are recovering from something. Never get comfortable in your recovery and remember what God has saved you from. Two, make sure that your eyes are on the right things and your attitudes are in the right place. In order to see clearly, we must think clearly. Stay involved with the Lord and his affairs, meaning the church and his people. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded. Be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The enemy is on task, looking to pick you off. Don't get caught up alone. Surround yourself with the people of God that will encourage you and spur you on towards loving good deeds and keep you accountable whether you like hearing the truth or not. Lead yourself and your family towards Christ. Make sure that you're in church. Make sure that your kids see that you want to be in church. Don't just drop them off and let us minister to them. If our kids are really considered a treasure that God has blessed us with temporarily, let's ensure that their eternity is where it needs to be as far as it depends upon us. And the third is nothing you own is worth dying for. Every single thing you own, every single thing you own can and will perish. Whether it's eaten by moths, rust, or dross, it will all eventually be gone or somebody else will come and take it from you. You can get punked for it, you can get stolen from, but it will be gone. Remember that after our physical death comes an eternal one if we're not in Christ. I don't mean that you'll perish, but instead that you will be eternally punished by God for not having accepted Christ's finished work on the cross. That is the reality, family. We will all live forever. The only difference is going to be your address. And Matthew 10, 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I hope you all didn't come in today thinking you were going to get your ears tickled. What was it that was said yesterday at our evangelism conference? That Calvary makes no sense without... We need to understand God's law and that we've broken it to be able to really understand what Christ did on Calvary. When we understand that we have broken His law and we deserve hell, but in His grace, what He did on Calvary pays the price, then it all makes sense. I close with a quote from Paul David Tripp that says this. Pay attention. It says, Your thoughts about money... And your use of money are always an expression of the deepest treasures of your heart. Money will expose what you really value and what you truly serve. Money will be a means that you use to insert yourself into the middle of your world, or it will be an expression of your constant awareness that you were put on earth to serve another. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Amen? We must be mindful of our attitudes towards the things we want, the things we need, and not expect them to fulfill what only God can. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for the written word given to us on Sinai. But Lord, we are so more grateful for what happened on Calvary, knowing that we would not be able to keep your law in your grace and in your mercy you call us to repentance and, and faith and trust in you Lord and we're so thankful for Christ's finished work upon the cross guide us instruct us lead us and strengthen us when we want to deposit our trust and faith in temporal things Lord that will rust that will, that will perish strengthen us to completely put our faith and trust in you that when we, when we stray you will guide us back Lord be with us now as we, as we prepare our hearts to come to the table And remember that your body was broken for us and that your blood was shed for us on Calvary. In Christ's name we pray, amen.